look, it is um, it is really good to be down, and 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 um, you know, I don't want to get into platitudes, and did catch up with Murray, and it was very encouraging. But we've also caught up with a lot of uh, different people, not yourselves yet, but uh, you know, maybe next time. Um, but yeah, it's just. Like, our schedule's just been chockers. And my wife, uh, Terry, I'm not sure if you know me, but yeah, my name's Phil, and my wife, uh, Terry, we're both down with our kids. We've got three of our own, and uh, we've got two little foster kids with us at the moment. You might have met them somewhere along the way. Um, but, yeah, it's just been chockers catching up with people. Um, look, it's just been really, uh, really refreshing. And Terry's the people person... She can catch up with people all day and then of a night she'll come home and tell me about all the conversations they had at All In and all sorts of things. And I'm avoiding the crowds at times because that's a little, little bit exhausting, you know, taken to the extreme. But, uh, oh, wow. There we go. I wasn't going to put that up there until I started getting serious. But um, good, to, uh, good to be here. Um, Murray kept me away from the carbs when we caught up. Uh, which was good. He looks after me. Um, yeah, I mean, every time we foster, Terry loses weight. She's now down to her the, the weight she was on our wedding day. And, um, and I put on weight. And so last, about a week ago, I hit my top weight of 90 kgs. And so, um, as I said to the guys at Queanbeyan, if I collapse halfway through, it's just because I haven't been eating carbs for days and I need some energy. Um, look, why don't we pray together and we'll get into the Word together, but needless to say, um, really genuinely happy to be here. Father, um, I just pray that this isn't wasted time, that when we open your Word tonight, that we're changed by it, that we actually bow to it, that we submit to it. I pray that it's not me preaching tonight, Father, any garbage that I've come up with, I just pray that doesn't come out when I'm preaching tonight. I pray my foibles don't come out while I'm preaching tonight. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that it's you. I ask that you give messages to individuals, but also to the, to the, the wider gathering. Um, I, I just pray thanks that you're so gentle with us, Father. You call us to greater things, but man, you're gentle with us. You give us so much grace and uh, just so happy, so happy to be with these people here tonight and I'm so happy that you see us, Jesus, and you know every one of us by name. Uh, and in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 Um, yeah, well, a few years ago we left Canberra to uh, become foster carers and to plant a church. And when we did, Terry and I spoke and we kind of come up with the conclusion that we'd have to start again pretty much every area of life, financial, relationships. We were losing a lot of relationships down here with people that we could see week on week. Um, and we were really starting from zero. And not long after that, as Terry and I had discussed, our bank account hit, I think it was 70, it was less than a dollar, 70 cents or something. And uh, Terry was traveling in Sydney with her sister at the time and she called me and she was quite cranky and she said, there's nothing in our bank account. I said, I know. Everything's gone exactly to plan. Isn't that great? And uh, she said, no, really, there's nothing in our bank account. And why has that happened? And I said, isn't this what we discussed, that we would give everything away and follow God? And she said, I didn't think that everything meant everything. And I said, so do you think that 
uh, everything, giving everything away meant that we left some things in. She said, yeah, I, I did. Can you explain it to me again? She said, well, I thought zero meant more than zero. Let's just put it that way. That's, that's how she put it. And, um, you know, I, it was, it's fun to look back on it now, but um, maybe hard at the time. But oh, that's the Christian walk for me. Day in, day out, it's um, what does Jesus mean when he says, Phil, be all in, throw everything at it. And I think it's something, even um, people who are not Christians and looking at the life of Jesus and saying, am I going to follow him? And people who are Christians, I think it's something that we all wrestle with. It's the cost of following Jesus and working out what Jesus really meant when he said that when we follow him, we're all in. And uh, sorry, I'm just going to do the face recognition thing on my notes. It's... So what I want to do this evening is I just want to establish for you that Jesus did call us to be all in, um, but we're not going to dwell there. The point of the message, uh, I will pivot it towards getting you in a position where you can pray uh, not tonight, just in your own time, but you can go to Jesus and you can pray, Jesus, what does it mean for me to be all in? What does it mean for me to give up everything, in your words, Jesus? I'm not going to prescribe for you what everything means. I think uh, of the rich young ruler, you know, who comes to Jesus and, uh, you know, he's a good guy. He's doing lots of good things. And he says, uh, you know, what else do I need to do? He thinks Jesus can add to his life. And Jesus pulls out the petrol tin and the match and offers to burn his life down by saying, sell everything you own and, as Murray was saying earlier, follow me. Come with me. So for the rich young ruler, you know, material wealth and his career and everything he'd built up, you know, that was everything for him. But I also think of the guy that Jesus healed and Jesus says, go and sin no more. And, you know, for a, I think before I was a Christian, you know, doing what I wanted, sleeping with whoever I wanted, to be told not to do that is like my world caving in. And so that's like everything to some people. So your everything's going to be different to my everything. And to be honest, it's going to change day to day. Sometimes it's going to be big you know, it's going to span across years. Other days, it's, it's just going to be a 24-hour time span. What's Jesus telling me to do today? Yesterday, I was looking after five kids while Terry was out. And, you know, I just had to die early in the day and say, you know what? I'm not going to get some quiet time with a book today. That's not what Jesus wants for Phil's life today. You know, he's, he's got to die today. So everything is going to change day to day. It's going to change across the span of time and it's going to change between people. But what I want to do first is just establish that Jesus called us to be all in. And in the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 37 to 39, he says, Anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. And 
Not much further along in Matthew 13, 44 to 46. He says, The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. To look at the cost of following Jesus is also to consider the reward as well. Matthew 16, 24 to 27. Then Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple. Just remember, disciple simply means learner. Disciples are Christians. Christians are disciples. We learn this from the book of Acts. And all of us here are just simply learning what would Christ want to do in this situation. So whoever wants to be my disciple or learner must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me for whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels and then he will reward each person according to what they've done. Let's just stop there for a moment. Imagine that image that's being given to us. Like this is the image God gives to us to follow him. It's one of denying myself, picking up my cross and following Jesus. And if we just think that through, it's, you know, deny myself, yes. So I've got to drop some things before I pick up the cross. But Here's the deal. When I pick up the cross, I don't want to pick up the cross. Who wants to pick up the cross? This is not something that I engineered. It's not something that I came up with. I mean, the cross is an instrument of suffering in the world. And yet God says, deny yourself, pick up your cross. And I think at times we can, I, <laughs> I shouldn't say you, I complain because I'm complaining about the cross. And again, Jesus Jesus didn't do a bait and switch on me. He always called this out as being the cross. This is going to be hard. This life is going to be hard, but there will be eternal reward. And in this image of a cross, I'm laying down things that I wanted to keep. Maybe there's a crowd around me of people who don't like me or maybe my reputation isn't where it should be because I'm not living like the world. Maybe I'm going to a place of even greater hardship because at the end of a walk with a crucifix, something's going to happen. It's going to involve some nails and some rope and some other things. It's not going to be a joyful experience. And out of that whole image, there's one thing that can keep me going, and that's Jesus. He says, like he, like he said to Peter, come to me. I, I'm not coming to you. You come to me because I'm going to take you places. And at the end of the day, that's what it all comes down to. Out of I don't I don't want any of this suffering. I don't want any of this hardship. But two words, but Jesus. But Jesus. <laughs> it's the two words that keeps a Christian going. I trust him. I trust him to take me to places. Uh, for my benefit. And finally, Luke 14, 33. In the same way, says Jesus, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be 
my disciples. And so when we're called to follow Christ, and, you know, I really think he's got to work in us for us to even connect with Jesus, when he intervenes in our lives and we're following him and we're wrestling with, you know, what does everything look like? I think we've got two paths to go down. And I think one is, oh, Jesus says to do this, but my finances. Jesus says to do this, but my education. Jesus says to do this, but fill in the blank. Jesus said to do this, but the risk involved, whoa, huge. And yet I think we've got to flip it. I think it's got to be the other way around. I think it's got to be, this makes no sense in any other spreadsheet, but God, but Jesus. Deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me makes no sense, but for Jesus. And I'll I'll give you an example. The Apostle Paul planted a church in Corinth. Um, R.C. Sproul calls Corinth the Las Vegas of antiquity. So, you know, lots of stuff going on in Corinth, big party town. And it seems like the church at times is a a bit of a party town as well. Uh, Because, of course, you know, at times, often, the church, the world, seeps into the church, doesn't it? And we like to think that the church of Acts was this great church, and they were just awesome, and they were just constantly devoting themselves, and every single one of them was just constantly devoting themselves, except for the ones who weren't. And um, so there was sexual immorality, there was a guy who slept with his dad's misses and getting kicked out of the church and there's theological issues, there's division, like I say. But there's one issue that Paul deals with in 1 Corinthians that I think we can look at. I think it's very relevant for you. I think, yeah, Jesus calls you to give up everything, whatever that means for you, wherever you're at in life. But I hope that when we get to the end of this passage... It gives you the ability to go and pray, God, what does everything mean for me? And so what I want you to do is the key text we're going to focus on is 1 Corinthians 15, 20, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, 1 Corinthians 15, 20. But so what I'll do is I'll read that verse, but then I'm going to read about 10 verses before and 10 verses after. So I'll read... uh, say 15 from 12 to maybe 30. So what that verse says, 1 Corinthians 15, 20, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. And then I'll read the context. So starting... In verse 12, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. 
We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we of all people are most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man death came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. So what Paul's saying here, and what's happening with the church in Corinth, is that they doubt the resurrection. From my reading of it, they doubt, they might believe that Christ was raised from the dead, but they don't believe Christ defeated death for us. So they don't believe in Christ's power. And what Paul says here, look, if that's true, you're living the most pitiable life in the whole world. Like we all are as Christians. Like here we are on a Sunday night talking about Jesus and he was never raised from the dead. And Paul quite rightly says, this is the most pitiable thing that could ever happen. But Christ was raised from the dead. And Paul knows. We'll get to that in a second. But Paul says, if this is a false gospel that we believe in, that Christ wasn't raised from the dead, your faith is futile. It's not doing anything between you and God. It's a waste of time. You're still in sin and you're still condemned. Uh, you're misrepresenting God. Faith and preaching and all this stuff that we do are useless. And so to believe Christ has some value to us if he is not risen from the dead and that he did not defeat death for us is to make everything about Christ completely useless because it means everything that we base our lives on is completely wrong. And, and don't you love it how Paul gets to the point? You see, the church in Corinth, or some in the church in Corinth, had swallowed a lie that believed in this kind of third way. They were rescued from sin and darkness, but maybe the talk about Christ was overblown. Maybe Christ was resurrected, but he didn't have the power to do the same to me. But, you know, Christ only taught dichotomously. I mean, Terry had a prophetic word spoken over a couple of months ago, and the word was, you'll have a decision to make and it'll be a dichotomy. There's a right way and there's a wrong way. And, you know, that's how Christ taught. He taught dichotomously. And that's a, a contrast between two things that are opposed or entirely different. And I, I know this quote gets used often, but it's so good. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic 
on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come up with this patronizing nonsense about Jesus being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So to follow Christ and to believe in the resurrection comes at the the risk of living the most pitiable life, if we're wrong, and the most pitiable life in the eyes of the world. I'm not sure what God is calling your everything or what you're being tugged into, but I bet it has a cost. I bet it has a human cost. I bet it has a time cost. I bet it has a mental burden on your life. I bet it has an emotional cost, a financial cost. And you know what? But God, because Christ was raised from the dead, we can pay that price. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.13, no temptation has overtaken you except such as common to man, but God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able? And what about this for doing kingdom work? For a but God statement, 1 Corinthians 3, 6, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. How many of you are sharing the gospel with a friend who doesn't want to hear or a father who doesn't want to hear? I gave the Bible to my old man uh, a couple of weeks ago and he took it. He said, thank you. He said, thank you very much for the book. My old man chased an evangelist away from our house when I was a kid. Like, pretty cranky guy, you know. I can, I can submit, I can obey, but I'm on my knees and saying, but God, unless you move, nothing's going to grow, nothing's going to happen. Acts 13, 29 to 30, when they had all carried out what was written about him, they took him down from the cross, this is Jesus, they took Jesus down from the cross and laid him in a tomb, but God raised him from the dead. Matthew 29, sorry, 19.26, Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Psalm 73.26, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Genesis 50.20, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Jonah 2.6, to the roots, and and how's this for a, a parallel to the resurrection story? To the roots of the mountains I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. The earth beneath barred me in forever. But you, Lord God, brought my life up from the pit. Stephen, 
In the book of Acts 3.15, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. Acts 7, 9 to 10, because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. Romans 5, 6 to 8, for while we were still helpless at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were hostile to God and he died for us. 1 Samuel 23, 14, David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. Genesis 8, 1. But God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. I just got two more. You're hanging in there. You're doing well. I'm probably the tiredest person here, surely. Ephesians 2, 4 to 7. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and, and, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. And the last one. 2 Timothy 2, 18 to 19. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are his and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Look, we are the but God people, if you're going to lay everything down to follow Jesus, here's what's going to happen. God's going to talk to you because he talks to us all the time and it's going to come with a cost and then you're going to count the cost and you can only really have one answer, but God, but God, because everything else is going to point you to the circumstances around and you're going to start tallying things up. But I tell you, if you take the attitude, but Christ, but God, you get to follow him. He says to you, come walk with me. Bring your cross. And this is the bit that we miss. Come walk with Jesus. And that's going to be the make or break point. When you get called into that hard place, when you get called to walk on the water, because let's face it, you're not built to walk on water. There's waves, you're going to sink. But Jesus, you can't tally this up. The cost will be too great, I can tell you that now. The cost of you giving up everything is already too great. You don't have to get out of the calculator, it's fine. And here's one reason you can trust Paul. 
He hated Christians, was out to get Christians until, but Jesus, I met him, I saw him, and what did he get out of it? What did Paul, what did the Apostle Paul get out of saying, I'm just telling you what I've seen and heard, Jesus is alive. No, we killed that guy. I'm telling you, Jesus is alive and he's the king of the universe and he's come to offer salvation to all that believe in him. What did Paul get out of that except for multiple whippings, which if you know anything about how they did that back then, probably made him look like the hunchback of Notre Dame. They stoned him till they thought he was dead, beat him with rods, he was shipwrecked, sent off, executed, and he praised God the whole time. And he doesn't have the writings of a madman. And the only reason he did that were two words, but Jesus all I'm telling you is, I met him. I met him. And my life means nothing now compared to what is beyond the resurrection. I will be resurrected into eternity with Jesus. And this, it means nothing. And if you don't believe me, you can beat me. You can kill me. And like I say, his writings have changed the face of humanity is not the writings of a madman. And that's what he built his life on. But Jesus. And one last point that I'll make. Oh, also, as he, as he points out in 1 Corinthians 15 from about verse 3 onwards, and I'll read this to you. Paul is reminding them, for I delivered to you as of first importance, what I also received, I'm just delivering to you what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the Twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at the one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, Last of all, as if to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of all the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed." And what's Paul saying there? He's saying, look, I saw Jesus, but Jesus, but so did Peter, so did the apostles, so did 500 eyewitnesses. Oh, by the way, a bunch of those are still alive, so you can go and talk to them to verify this if you're living in the time that this was written. And by the way, it's all done in accordance with Scripture that was written hundreds of years earlier and couldn't be concocted by anyone, i.e. the nature of Jesus' death, how long he was buried for, etc., so this is the credibility that Paul walks with, not just in his life, but he points to other eyewitnesses and the credibility of prophecy through hundreds of years. And the last point I want to make is this. This is the last point. Verse 20. But in fact, and that's why he says but in fact or but indeed, because he believes it to be credible and historical. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. And, and this is the bit that I just want to very briefly focus on to end. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
you know, there were resurrections in the Bible, uh, you know, in history, recorded in the Bible. Jesus resurrected Lazarus, for example, but Lazarus died again, right? And he's waiting for the resurrection. Jesus is resurrected. He ain't going to die again, but he is the first fruits, meaning he is the first fruits of a much larger harvest, that harvest being you. You are that harvest into the resurrection of eternal life. And so when you come to that point and you're saying, Jesus, you call for everything, and I just don't know what everything is. You call for all in, and I don't know what all in is. You know, I've just studied for 10 years, and I'm just starting this job. Do you want me to give up my job now? Or do you want to? And that's why I'm not going to go into all that here, because I don't have that ability, and I don't have that wisdom. Jesus will speak, and he'll do it in a, a way that's right for you. He's got plans for you. He's got work for you. And whether it's your ego that needs to die today, finances that need to die tomorrow, I don't know. But when you're having that conversation, it's going to come back with a bill on your life. And when you tally that bill, I want you to think, but Christ, and I want you to think of the resurrection. I want you to think of the brevity of this life and the endless time of eternity. I want you to think of the Apostle Paul, who was the champion hater of Christians. Like he was good at his job of hating Christians. And then he totally turns, and the only thing he says is, But Christ, I saw him. The resurrection's real. He told me to go preach the resurrection, and we're all going to get resurrected. And he's going to judge us. And if we don't believe in him and do what he says and, 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 Give up everything we own. We're not his learners. We're not his disciples. That's what I want you to think about when you're tallying up everything. And here's the deal. Jesus is king. I just, like, he didn't ask for 90%. He's just king. And that doesn't mean that you have to give me all your money. <laughs> As some prosperity preachers may preach. But it may mean, he says, give it all away. And a king can do that. And if he didn't do that, he wouldn't be king. You would question his kingship. And he loves you greatly. So let me just pray for you. Father, I just thank you for um, this gathering here. I reckon there's a, a lot of love between people in this gathering. Uh, there just seems to be a lot of love and a lot of nurture between people. And I think from what I've heard about these people and what I see, that that's a sign that they're your followers, Father. Jesus, you said this yourself, that how we love one another is a marker of whether we follow you. And so I just thank you for what you're doing here. I thank you for the people who are stepping up in the city and leading in all sorts of ways. I just, I just thank you that you speak to them and that there are little things that you're telling them to do, little opportunities and little ways to lay down their life that no one ever sees, but you see it. You see it, God, because you're all powerful. So I just thank you for that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll give everyone here a fresh infilling that they'll just be wrecked 
they'll just be wrecked to know you, God, and to have just endless communion with you. They'll just love your word and just put their trust in you, Jesus, that, that they will be increasingly a people known as the water walkers. And when people say, why are you doing that? They say, because Jesus offered me the opportunity to walk with him on the water. And it's the one I walk with. It's the one I walk with. Thank you, Father. We, we, just, uh, yeah, we just lift up the homeless lady at the front of the building down there. We pray that she'll be blessed in some eternally spiritual way by being so close to believers. We might get to share the gospel with her or bless her with something. We pray for all the people who walk past here. And this is a strategic place, God. We just pray for the CBD. I just oh, just pray strength for your kingdom workers here, Father. There is a powerful work that you have for them here. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for... Uh, listening to me. Thanks for having me. And um, thanks for not falling asleep as well. Because what happens is in Canberra, it's very cold and we walk into these rooms. And Terry said to me, every time I walk into these rooms in Canberra, because we're not acclimatized anymore, we walk in and the heaters are on. It's like, oh, I just want just to go to sleep. So thank you for not going to sleep. That would have been terrible. Um, and look, if, if you need anything from Terry or I, um, anything at all, just Drop us a line. We, hey, we're here to share our lives with you, not just while we're visiting, but in any context, any scenario. Um, and we really mean that. And we really want to see you endure to get the crown of life in the end. Eternal life is what it's all about. And we want to see you endure. So God bless and thank you. And I think it's time for the main act, which is the pizza, maybe. But